been on this particular series for five, this will be actually the week number five right up on the screen here, the spoken word. I'm, I'm extremely excited about this because I know what the power of the spoken word can do and has done and will continue to do as we speak his word. Amen. We know that in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 through 26, we're not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time today, but you'll find that this is where God created everything. We're going to read the first four verses again today, and it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Praise the Lord. I want you to see this phrase here that God said, and then God saw. Notice the order. God said, and God saw. Now, because of time's sake this morning, we're not going to read the whole creation through verse 26, but you're going to find that in these 26 verses, that this is exactly how God created everything that exists. Okay, the plant life, the animal kingdom, and all the things that are on the earth today, God said it first, and then He saw it. Praise the Lord. And folks, if we're going to see some things happen in our lives, we've got to say it first. Oh, say, can you see? <laughs> Heard that song before, right? There's a lot of truth to that. You have to say things because God created us. You look at Genesis chapter 2. Just go next door again to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Now we might repeat and review some things that we've reviewed before, but let me tell you something. It's going to come out every single time different. Praise God. So God released words. In fact, eight times God said, let there be. Let there be, let there be, and then God saw. God said and God saw eight different times in the book of Genesis. Could have snapped his fingers, could have done anything to create what he wanted to see, his desired result. But he chose the avenue of words to speak words to create what we now have today. Praise God. Now in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now notice the phrase living soul. Why don't we say that? One more time. Living soul. Man became a living soul. I brought out the fact that the Jewish, uh, or the Hebrew sages brought out that in the actual Hebrew, the Jewish sages brought out in their actual humash. Looks like chumash. C-H-U-M-M-A-S-H, you know. And it actually means this. They actually, these, are, these are Hebrew scholars that said that when God created man, He created man another speaking spirit just like Himself. Hallelujah. You see, the animals couldn't do that. But God made man in his likeness and in his image and made him another speaking spirit. Praise God. You know, the last time I checked, every invention that's ever existed on this earth came from a human being. Amen. I know that's not rocket science, but every single thing that we see today, every, these chairs, the carpet, the walls, the lighting, everything, did not, was not created by a monkey, was not created by a gorilla, was not created by a giraffe because they don't have any creative ability in them because they're not made in the likeness and the image of God. Mankind is. That's why you and I have the ability to dream and to think and to ponder and to create. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Why? Because we're made in God's likeness and we're made in God's image. You know, it's funny because back in, was it 19, oh, whatever it was, early 1900s, you know, uh, they were going to, somebody came out and said that they're going to put a stop to all patents. There's no more, there's nothing more to be invented. <laughs> in like 1903, it's like, oh, man, were they wrong? I'm glad I don't live next to someone like that. Everything's been created that should be created. That's the way it's going to be. Now, folks, think, think about it. For thousands of years, Man's form of transportation was basically horseback and donkey. Okay? And if you wanted light, you lit a candle. All right? For thousands of years. But something happened during the uh, early part of the 1900s when there was just a truckload, 
of inventions that came for the early 1900s, and now it's on an exponential curve, they call it, where things are being created so fast that something could be created yesterday and it's already outdated next week. That's how fast things are progressing. Now, Daniel, uh, who was a major prophet in the Old Testament, prophesied that in the latter days that, that knowledge would increase. Now, that's not only spiritual knowledge, but natural knowledge. And we're living in those days. He even said that men would run to and fro throughout the earth. You know, and with modern technology, with the airlines and things like that, that's, very po- that's possible now. Amen? Stop and think about the stuff that we have. Now, I'm, I'm old enough to realize, I remember when we got our first television when I was a kid. It was a black and white television. Man, we thought we were the Jetsons. Now, younger folks, would not, they're born with that. They have all that access to all that stuff. We didn't have cell phones growing up. Man, when I met my wife, if I wanted to get in contact with her, I couldn't text her. There were no cell phones. I had to pick the phone up, dial the thing. There was no push buttons. I had to dial that thing. Right? You all remember that? Boy, has it come a long way now. Now we got these, these deals right here. You've got everything on this little phone right here, everything. You can do your bank information on there, man. You can, do, you can book flights on this thing. I do everything on my phone, okay? It was actually going to preach for me today. Yeah. <laughs> actually, my notes are on there. Take photos, all kind of stuff. You know, we're, we're living in the day and age, but all these inventions came from human beings that were made like God in His image, another speaking spirit, just like God Himself. Hallelujah. Now, God chose the avenue of words to create what we now see today. Um, God governed, I wrote down here, that God made us to speak words that would govern and dictate the future of our life. And if we don't like where we're at, then we need to be able to release words to determine which direction we're going to go. Now, Proverbs 18.21, I'll just quote it for the sake of time here. It says, death and life, Solomon said, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Praise God. My, uh, my spiritual father, Brother Kenneth Hagin, I took a little excerpt from one of his books, and I've heard him say this personally, and, uh, and it's called this, it's called, Confession is faith, Faith's Way of Expressing Itself. Faith, faith's creation creates reality. And here's what he said. It is always possible to tell if a person is believing right by what he says. If his confession is wrong, his believing is wrong. If his believing is wrong, his thinking is wrong. If his thinking is wrong, it is because his mind has not been renewed with the Word of God. All three, believing, speaking, and saying, go together. God has given us His Word to get our thinking straightened out. We can think in line with God's Word. And when we think in line with God's Word, we will speak in line with God's Word, and we will see those words come to pass. Praise God. Now, uh, go to Jeremiah real quick here in the Amplified. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. I looked at this last week. We're going to see it again here. But I see a, a pattern for the last several years where the, the devil has... Uh, He's such a liar, that's all he can do is lie. Amen. Jesus said Satan is the liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. And when he speaks, if he's moving his mouth, he's lying. Okay? I, was, I came across a guy a number of years ago, and when we pastored our first church, first church you know, years ago. And, uh, and I noticed this pattern. He was always coming into the church. You know, we'd, he'd come in and help out. And he was a blessing that way. But he would always, always be talking about what the devil was doing. All the time. And I mean month after month, year after year. And I was getting kind of weary of it, to be honest with you. And one day I just spoke up to him. I did it in love. I didn't rebuke him or anything. I said, I said, I said uh, his name. And I said, hey, what's God doing? He says, what? I said, what's God doing? What do you mean? I said, well, you're just telling me what the devil's doing. What's God doing? He didn't know what to say. <laughs> Amen. But I noticed he was one of the most depressed people I've ever met in my life. Christian. 
depressed, oppressed, beat down, struggling all the time. Negative spirit, like a cloud just following him around in his head, you know. Because everything, he, he always saw that the devil is bigger than God. Folks, we don't deny the fact that there's a demon and devil and evil spirits. We don't deny that. But we cannot magnify darkness. We cannot magnify the devil. The devil's been after me. Okay? Look, listen, if you realize how powerful you are in Christ Jesus and what you have, he would be running from you. Trust me on that one. Amen. He is a defeated foe. He's terrified of the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Right. And uh, when you start to realize who you are, I mean, he's going to run. He's going to look for the back door. Because Satan is the spirit of fear. He's afraid of his own shadow. You stop and think about it. You know, people are afraid about their future. You know who's more afraid about their future than anybody is the devil. His, his future is lake of fire, burning in hell. That's his future. That is not a good future. What's our future? Glory. Hallelujah. Mansions. Plural. <laughs> All the good things of heaven. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, the Amplified, I like it in the Amplified, says, Then the Lord said to me, You have, you have seen, seen well, for I am alert and inactive. And God says, Watching over my word to perform it. Notice that, that God and this verse says here that God watches over His Word to perform it. So if God said something, He's going to see to it that it comes to pass. Okay? So we have to have the same kind of faith in our words. See, here's the, here's the challenge that a lot of us have sometimes. A lot of times we have faith in what God can do, but we don't have faith in what God can do through us. It's a self-confidence in what God can do through us. A lot of people have faith in other people's prayers. Through the years I've had people say they have confidence in my prayers. I'm thankful for that. Okay? But it disturbs me when people have more faith in what my prayer is being heard than their own prayer is being heard. Because there's no, the fact is Jesus' blood makes you and me just as worthy to come before His presence. You know, God doesn't hear my prayers anymore because I'm a pastor. He doesn't. Well, one person got it. <laughs> and God doesn't, God doesn't hear your prayers based on how, how many goosebumps you have or how spiritual you feel. I'll be honest with you. Most of the time I pray, almost all the time that I pray, there's no special feeling. Now, there are times where the anointing will come in and I feel His presence. But 99% of the time, I'm just doing it by faith. Amen. I speak the Word by faith. I pray by faith. Amen. Everything I do, I do it by faith. And I just praise you, Lord. You heard my prayers today. Amen. And when you do that, you're released. That's the greatest kind of faith because you're not basing it on what you can touch and feel and all this kind of stuff. Amen. See, God's presence is here whether we feel Him or not. He's here in this room whether His angels are here in this room whether we feel them or not. They're here. I mean, they're right here. That means we can have a glorious church service. And the Lord always reminds me of that. He said, now, son, remember who's in your church service today. You might have some people missing or something like that, but you know what? So what? I'm here. God's here. God's here. And if people realize that God's here, they would be here. <laughs> Are you with me now? Praise the Lord. He says, I watch over my word to perform it. Now, let's talk about this subject here for, of confession for a second because a lot of us grew up depending on the background that we had, the religious background, when we hear the word confession, what do we normally think of? Confessing sins, right? In other words, the negative. How many of you grew up in an atmosphere like that? Confession. Do you want to confession? Yes. Want to con now, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I had friends that did, and I went to church one time, and I was like intrigued. I was like, there's a guy in that box right there? <laughs> and a little red light comes on. I thought, man, I'm not used to this. I said, what are they doing in there, confessing their sins? <laughs> right, then, right then I was like, thank you, Lord, I'm a Methodist. That's all I can say. But when we think of uh, the subject of confession, the Bible has a lot to say about confession. But most people, when you use the word confession, they think, because of the way they've been brought up, they think of the negative side of confession. Now, don't get me wrong. There is 1 John 1, 9. It says that if we, 
if we miss it, we sin. He said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means if you get out of fellowship with God, He'd say, Lord, I, I missed it. Now, that doesn't mean you lost your salvation, but it means you get back in fellowship. You didn't lose your relationship, but you lost that fellowship. And when we sin as Christians, we don't break our relationship with God. We sever our fellowship and our communion with God. Amen? I mean, if I had, it's not going to happen, but if I got in an argument with my wife, we're legally married. Okay? We have a relationship. We've been married for 35 years. Amen? If, if we got in some kind of little squabble or argument, you know, that wouldn't break my relationship. I'm still married with her, but it certainly would hamper and hinder our fellowship with one another. Does that make sense? And God wants us to have not only relationship with Him, but fellowship with Him, tight fellowship with Him. So the Bible has a, a lot to say about the subject of confession, but here's what I want to bring out. The, even 1 John 1, 9 is not a negative thing. You confess your sin, and so you can get back in fellowship with God. But there's so much more about the uh, positive side of confession. I want to show you a couple of scriptures this morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, if you would go over there, Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 14. The Bible has a lot more to say about the positive side of confession than it does the negative side. And again, I, I made mention of this probably each time that we've had this series, we've been teaching on this. This is number five. But I said this, and I'll say it again, one of the greatest lies that the enemy has sown to people in general, Christians, is that you can say whatever you want, and it will have no bearing on your outcome. You can just speak negative. Anybody here ever met somebody that's so negative, talking bad all the time? Well, if you've got your mind renewed with the Word of God, it's like you perk up like, whoa, do they realize what they're saying? People say, that just kills me. I laughed, I thought I was going to die. You know, death, death. I just love them to death. No, you don't. Think about what you are saying. Okay? Death and life are in the power of, well, brother, it sounds cool. I don't care if it sounds cool, if it's not scriptural. Amen? I mean, there, people look at stuff now and it's like cool to say, damn. Like they look at a car and they go, Damn. You know what I'm saying? Well, do you realize what that word means? To condemn? Are you with me now? Oh, brother, it sounds cool. I don't care if it sounds cool. Is it scriptural? We want to say stuff that's scriptural. Oh, you're just being legalistic, Pastor Keith. You're just watching your words. That's right. Now, Jesus didn't come along and just release everything. I mean, he, he matter of fact, he came across, you'll see, we're going to see this in the next several weeks, Jesus would always speak the end result. There was a girl that died in his presence, you know, one of the little girls. And he said, she sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn <laughs> until she was raised from the dead. Oh, she's not dead, she sleepeth. What's he doing? He's calling those things which be not as though they were. And we'll get into that in the weeks to come. But Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest... Hallelujah. That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So who, who is our high priest? Jesus. Let us hold fast our profession. Now the King James says profession. It's actually the, the Greek word confession. Okay. So, so we have this great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. Now, uh, verse 16, I want to focus on this for a minute here. There's a minister, a lady by the name of Kat Kerr, K-A-T-K-E-R-R, powerful woman of God. The Lord's taken her to heaven on several occasions and revealed, she, her, her ministry is revealing heaven to the body of Christ that's in the earth. Powerful ministry. And she's on YouTube and stuff like that. And uh, she said something I will never forget because I've applied it to my life on a daily basis since I heard it. 
She said the Lord showed her one, one occasion when she was in heaven. The Lord said, I want to teach you, and I want you to sh not only teach you, but I want you to teach other people how they can tap into the supernatural grace of God on a daily basis. And the Lord said, you'll never have another weak moment, another weak day. You'll never lack strength. And she was like all ears. And the Lord said, okay, here it is in Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. And notice this, find grace to help in the time of need. Say grace to help. Grace to help. And so the Lord said this. He said, here, here's how it is. Very simple. He says, say it like this. I ask for and I receive divine grace for my life today. That's it. And that's how, so she said, I ask for and I receive divine grace. That means strength and energy and provision for what I need today. She began to do that before she preached it because the proof of the pudding's in the eating, you know, as they say. And you walk it out, you prove it out yourself and said, this really works. Now you can teach it to other people. And so she said there are certain normal situations that she'd normally get really frustrated at. But she said she just didn't have any care whatsoever. No frustration whatsoever. She just breezed right through it because she asked for grace every single morning. Praise God. Usually we think of, can you say grace over the meal? You know what I'm saying? We're, we're talking about divine strength and energy from heaven. So I began to do this too. And so every single morning I do it. I say, Father, I ask for and I receive divine grace for myself today, for the situations that I face, for the people that I come up with, you know, that I come in contact with, for situations. I ask for divine strength today in Jesus' name. And I found, now I didn't feel any real difference right away for, for about a week, but then I kept doing it. I just kept doing it. I said, Lord, I'm asking for grace today. I'm asking for strength today. And I just, I started to notice that I started getting strength in areas where I was weakened. Because truth is, tr truth be known, all of us have weaknesses in the flesh, don't we? There's certain weaknesses that we have in the flesh. Now, in the spirit, we're strong and mighty, amen. But, but in the flesh, we, we need God to quicken us. We need God to strengthen us, you know, and help us, you know. Um, I don't know everything. Amen. I'm not Mr. Nodal. I don't try to act that way. There's some things I don't know. Okay? So uh, I need God's grace. I need God's strength. And especially if you come up against difficult people, difficult situations, situations where there's a, like a, a fire, so to speak, in a relationship. You know, you need grace in that situation to know how to handle, how to talk, how to speak the right words. Someone said, you know, when there's a fire, you can do one of two things. You can either throw water on the fire or you can throw gasoline on the fire. Well, if you throw gasoline on the fire, it's going to get bigger, isn't it? And so our words are like that. Sometimes we can end up throwing gas on a fire instead of water on the fire, which will quench and put out the fire. But I've noticed this, Hebrews 4.16. Let us come what? Now, what's the opposite of boldness? Uh, timidly, right? Yeah, wimpy, that's right. I'm Popeye, right? Wimpy. <laughs> Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. But how many Christians don't come boldly to God's throne? And we're not talking about arrogance or pride. We're talking about confidence in the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is what makes you and me worthy to come boldly to the throne of God. There's no other way that we can have boldness except by the blood of Jesus. And that's why I, oh, I make much of the blood in my life. I tell you, I go, Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I always go by way of the blood. Because then it, it gives me the, the assurity in my mind that I've been cleansed. I've been washed. I've been purified. So I have a right to come before God. I have a right for Him to hear me when I pray. Glory to God. It stirs up my confidence. And not, not only that, but I mean almost instantly now when I pray and I ask for and I receive. See, there's such a, a mistake when you rely on your own. God never intended for you to rely on your own strength and insight for everything. That's just pride. Well, I'm a self-made man. That's what got you in the mess that you're in. People say that kind of stuff. But I'm relying. And I've, I've taught myself, and I'm still learning. 
But I've taught myself to lean on God, to rely on God in every circumstance and every situation. I'm telling you, um, I'm always, people don't know it, but I could be in a conversation with you and inside me I'm having a conversation with the Lord. Because I know that if I lean on Him, I'm going to have the strength to do what I normally couldn't do. Praise God. So it's not an unusual thing to find yourself feeling empty, without wisdom, without the resources. That's a normal thing. But we have a great, we have a God that's so full of grace that He can give us exactly what we need when we need it. And so I, I admonish you. I beseech you, like Paul said, amen, to ask God every day. I ask for and I receive a download of your grace today, Father. So that means strength where you need, where you need strength, amen, provision where you need provision. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10. You're right next door there. But notice uh, we see in Hebrews this pattern in chapter 4 that we have this great high priest. And he says, we're to hold fast our confession. We're to hold fast to what we say from the Word of God. Because we have this great high priest. Now a high priest in the Old Testament was used as a mediator. Now that no longer exists now, that old covenant. But that high priest was a type of Christ that would go before was a mediator between God and the people. And he would make sacrifices, you know. And the sins of Israel were covered for a year. They weren't remitted. They were just covered for a year. It, was, it, was, it wasn't the perfect covenant. Okay. Till Jesus came along, he became the great high priest, an unchangeable priesthood. And uh, he, he's our mediator. That's the present day ministry of Jesus Christ today. He's a mediator. There's one mediator, 1 Timothy, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the go-between. So we go to the Father in the name of Jesus. Are you with me now? And um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we see this word again, having therefore, brethren, boldness. That's the second time we see that in the book of Hebrews. Having therefore, brethren, not timidity, but boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Wow. By a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having a high priest, notice this, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Now notice again in verse 23, let us hold fast our profession or confession of faith, for He is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another, provoke one another to love and to good works. So we see this, this pattern here, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Now this is the positive side of confession. Okay? Now that, that, that said something to me years ago and I began to realize how that you can have a temptation, you ever been tempted before, tempted to say the wrong thing? Am I the only one? Man, something happens. Man, your tongue wants to say something really negative. It could be even another person you're with. You want to just go. <laughs> Don't say that. That's why David said, put a watch over my mouth. <laughs> Amen. Because sometimes once you release those words, once you release those words, they're hard to get back sometimes. Especially if it's an offensive, hurtful word. You know what I'm talking about? You release those things. But... He says right here that we are to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Now, I'm just going to quote this because of time. But in Revelation 3.11, the Lord Jesus told the Apostle John, He says, Hold fast that which thou hast. Let no man take thy crown. We would say hang on to. He says, hold on to what you have. Hold on to a good confession. Hold on. Amen. Now, why is it important? Let's answer that question. Why is it important to have a good confession? The Bible says Jesus had a good confession in the sight of Pontius Pilate. Okay? He's ready to take his life. Amen? Like a little kindergarten, drew one time his favorite Bible story, you know, and the Sunday school teacher came over to him and saw this, you know, 
big jet plane and a guy with a long beard in the, in the, in the cockpit. And they said, what's this? He said, that's Pontius the pilot. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it wonderful how little kids think? Pontius Pilate. Jesus held a good confession. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, why is it so important? Is it God just being legalistic? No. Why is it important to say what God's Word says? Now, how many of you have heard of Norval Hayes before? Norval Hayes. He just laid hands on us at this past seminar we were at. I got all kind of pictures on my phone, and um, I mean, he's one of the he's one of the generals in the in the body of Christ. He's ninety years old, but I mean to tell you, what a powerful ministry he had. Now he had a daughter named Zona. I'm not sure where that name came from, but he had a daughter named Zona, and when he was when she was a teenager, she had developed uh, I think twenty six massive. Don't, I'm not trying to gross you out. Massive warts on her body, all over her face, her hands, and she was a beautiful young girl. And it was she was totally distraught by this, you know, because she couldn't get rid of them. These big, massive warts, you know. And uh, Norval, who's a minister of the gospel, was in his prayer closet, and the Lord spoke to him and said, "Norval, when are you going to do something about those warts?" That's how he said it to him. When are you going to do something about those wars? Now, I can understand Norval when he says it like that. He says, well, 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 what do you mean, Lord? He says, I've given you the authority. That's your daughter. You take authority. Amen. So he kind of put his stuff together, you know, and got his act together, you know, and he went into his daughter sort of gingerly at first. He said, now here you are, Zona. He says, we're going to curse those growths on you in the name of Jesus. And, uh, of course, she wanted to get rid of them, you know. Now, she really wasn't walking with the Lord at that point, from what I understand, you know. But she was just like 16, 17 years old. And, you know, nobody wants to have those kind of growths on your body like that. But Jesus said to him, he says, when are you going to do something about these growths? That's your daughter. So, most Christians will say, well, Lord, that's up to you. No, 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 no. You have authority in your house that no one else has. You see, I have authority with my children that no one else has. If you have kids, you have authority in their lives that no one else has. And it's really time that we start taking that authority more seriously because God has given us the responsibility and the authority. If there's something going on that we don't like that's that's happening in their lives, we have the right to step in in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying in front of them, but to the devil say, no, you don't, devil. You're not having my son. You're not having my daughter. You're not going to mess with their destiny in Jesus' name. So he walks into her room one day and he says, give me your hands. And I'm not going to do it as loud as he did. He says, I curse these gross, these warts. I command them to dry up and wither in Jesus' name. And be gone, be thou cast into the sea, according to Mark 11. He said he opened his eyes, they're still there. Amen. But see, the next day he woke up again. They're still there. Finally, now he and Brother Hagen were close. Brother Norval Hayes and Brother Kenneth Hagen were very, very close. Okay. And uh, but he learned a lot of things from the Word of God about how you've got to laugh at your challenges. You've got to laugh at your problems. So he would say, ha, ha, ha. He didn't feel like laughing. There was nobody, nothing funny. But he'd look at, he'd see his daughter in the morning and they didn't look any better. He'd say, ha, 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 devil, ha, 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 because I cursed those gross. See, the devil's going to come to you and he's going to challenge your faith. When you speak the word of God, you're going to look and say, didn't work for me. Well, what happened when you said that? When you said it didn't work for me, you just undid what you originally said. That's why you have to keep your confession in line with God's Word. You can't just go back and forth, back and forth. I don't think it's working. And that's why some people stay in their problem year after year after year after year because they keep saying the problem, saying the problem, saying the problem, praying the Lord will take care of it, then they keep saying the problem. They're going back and forth, back and forth. That's called wavering. Wavering. The Bible says if we waver, we're not going to receive anything from God. Anything. So he would laugh at those things every day. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Laughing at warts. 
If a person doesn't have their mind renewed with the Word of God, they think that's crazy. But he would laugh at it. And one day, she heard her da his, his daughter scream. He thought, what just happened? He walks into her bedroom. She was looking in the mirror at those gross, and all of a sudden, instantly, they just disappear. <laughs> Within a sec. She's looking in the mirror, and they disappeared like that. All, every one of them on her body never came back. Now, these weren't these little these planters type warts. These are massive warts all over her face and her hands. I mean, it was gross, he said. It was disgusting. He says, but in a split second, they disappeared. And, of course, she was happy. And then she realized, God is real. Amen. 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 See, some people might think you're crazy when you do that kind of stuff. But when they see the results, when things happen and take place... I know that happened with me with that growth on my hand. I kept, I've told you about it several times. It just disappeared, praise God. But let me tell you something. I had to hold fast the confession of my faith. See, if you could just say it once time and then you saw it happen, there wouldn't be any need to stand and hold fast your confession of faith. It would be instant. But there are times that you have to stand and take a stand and you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel. Amen? See, if... If you were to ask your body, if you're having pain in your body, and you ask your body, body, are you healed? Your body will say, no, I'm not. I still hurt. <laughs> right? But if you ask the word, word of God, am I healed? By my stripes, you are healed. Okay? So, we have to learn to hold fast. I don't think we can hear enough teaching along this line. To hold fast. I declare I am debt free in Jesus' name. And you got a stack of bills on your desk. You keep holding fast to the confession of your faith. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And when you hold fast to the confession of your faith, you're actually putting pressure on the devil and he will have to leave. Amen. Let's go to one more scripture here today in Mark chapter 11. I've been wanting to get here for the last three weeks and just we never got to it, but today I think we will. And we'll close here, okay? But in Mark chapter 11, we're talking about the power of words, the spoken word. But it's important that we look at Scripture along this line because we don't want to just formulate a doctrine based on what we think or what we feel. We base what we believe on the Word of God. Amen? You know, the Lord just spoke to my heart uh, this past week. And... Uh, and I was, I was making some confessions of faith. And uh, the Lord dealt with my heart about starting a YouTube channel for, to get the Word of God out. Amen. And He says, I want to enlarge your microphone. That's what He told me. He says, I want to enlarge your microphone. I want, to, I want your message to get out to the world. Okay? Now, uh, my son has his own YouTube channel. He knows how to do all that kind of stuff. So I can get all the technical stuff from him. You know what I'm saying? But... Uh, you know, when you, how many of you have ever seen YouTube videos before? But I, I mean to tell you, you have little access to every, every country in the, on this earth. And he was like, show me. He said, do you want the world can be your pul pulpit? You can reach people in China, Amen. South America, Canada, Asia. Amen. Praise God. This is just something apart from the church. Amen. It will be part of the church. But being able to reach out to more people, do a 15-minute video on there at least once a week, a 15-minute video that will go out and reach people, the masses of people can sign up for it and receive it and hear Word of God that will change their lives. Amen? I'm excited about that. But it was revealed to me, it was ministered to me when I was praying, when I was speaking God's Word. I was confessing God's Word about certain things. Praise God. In my life, I speak with the Word of God over my family. I speak the Word of God over my finances. I speak the Word of God over my church. And uh, because there's certain things I want to see come to pass. Amen. And I just refuse to let go. I refuse to quit. I refuse to get weary in well-doing. Amen. Amen? But in Mark chapter 11, and it says in verse 11, it says, And Jesus entered, to, entered into Jerusalem in the temple when they had looked round about upon all things, and now when evening tide was come, he went out of Bethany with his twelve, with the twelve. And on the mar they were come from Bethany, and Jesus was hungry. See, that's his humanity. In verse 13 it says, And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came that hap happily he might find uh, anything thereon, for 
when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now, hold your, hold your place right here just for a second, and I want you to see that Jesus was coming to a fig tree. Now, I did a little research on this because Jesus was not deceived by the tree. Okay? He's from that area. He created the trees from, from the beginning anyway, right? He was not deceived by this. But from my, digging a little bit deeper, I found out that there were trees, these fig trees that retained their leaves should have had fruit on them as well. He was not deceived by this tree. He came happily like he was going to find some fruit on this, but there was no fruit on the, on the, on the fig tree, all right? Um, where are we here? Verse 14. Okay, so he's with his 12, all right? He's going out of Bethany, came from the temple, and he sees this fig tree. <laughs> he's thinking, oh, there's leaves on there. There should be some fruit on there, okay? So he goes over there, finds nothing but leaves. You're not going to eat the leaves, and he made this statement, verse 14, And Jesus answered and said unto it. Now, how do you answer a tree? Did it say something to him? You know, I, I can't answer you unless you ask me a question right, or something. You say something to me first, then I answer you. Right? <laughs> that means to tell me, that me, I see this, that things have a voice. Your bank account has a voice. Your body has a voice. Things have a voice. They're speak it's not an audible voice, but they're still talking to you. How many you know what I'm talking? Has your body ever talked to you before? Yes. Your body say, I'm too tired today. I don't want to go to church. <laughs> Amen. Your body will say, I want to get mad at them today. They have it coming to them. I know it. I know it. Your body has a voice. But notice, Jesus answered the tree. Now, wait just a minute here. These disciples are, they're human. They probably were thinking what you and I would think. He's been in the sun too much today. You know that Jerusalem sun? You know, that real hot sun over in the Middle East, you know, beating on his head. Now he's hallucinating. Now he's talking to trees. You know what they're thinking. He answered the tree. Verse 14. He answered and said unto it, the tree, no man will eat fruit of thee hereafter. And notice this, and his disciples heard it. So he wasn't quiet about it. <laughs> Jesus didn't go over and say, what did he say? No, he said it loud enough. No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter again. And his disciples heard it. All right? Not a big deal. But notice, uh, go down to verse 19 of Mark chapter 11 here. Mark chapter 11, verse 19. And when evening was come, they went out of the city. And in the morning they passed by and they saw the fig tree this is the very next day, dried up from the roots. Hmm. And Peter, calling remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, or look, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Now, folks, there's a difference between cussing and cursing. Okay? Jesus didn't use some four-letter word. Jesus didn't drop the F-bomb on the tree. Are you with me now? It said he cursed the fig tree. What does curse mean? It means to speak negative over. No man will eat fruit of you ever again. In other words, you're not going to amount to anything. Okay? Now, verse 22 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Boy, you know that phrase would solve so many problems. I'm trying to figure this out, Pastor. I just don't know how that's going to happen and this is going to happen. Have faith in God. Four words. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. I can't tell you how many times the Lord's reminded me of that through the years. I'm sitting there scratching my head. 
get a calculator out, trying to figure out something. And the Lord says, have faith in God. Because that bypasses your understanding, your mental reasoning on trying to figure everything out. Amen. And let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, God, how are you going to do this? And somehow God came through. I don't care what it is. Because when you trust God and you look to Him, He can do things that you never dreamed possible to get what you need instead of being just self-reliant. He wants us to be God-reliant. Okay? I'll tell you, that will open up a doorway to peace in your life. That, listen very carefully. God wants you to operate in His peace 24-7. He doesn't want you troubled half the time, all troubled, all worried, fretting, wringing your hands, losing hair, hair turning gray because you're worried about something. That's never changed a blasted thing yet. Your trust in the Lord is what's going to help you. It's going to carry you through that thing. Amen? Job feared for his own children. Amen? The thing he greatly feared came upon him. God doesn't want you worrying about your kids. God doesn't want you worrying about your, your future. God doesn't want you worrying about your job or your money. Because there's something about fear that will attract that thing you don't want to get closer to you. We don't want that to happen. So we need to resist fear. Say, fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. When it tries to come against your thinking in your mind, the thought comes to your mind. It's so subtle sometimes. It can be just a subtle thought. You know, you get up and you're not feeling real good. This is going to be a bad day. You know, you had a few good days. Now it's time for a bad day. These thoughts come to you. There's no way you can have another good day after the third time in a row. Okay? No, that's a lie. God wants all of our days to be good. Now, it doesn't mean we're not facing challenges, okay? But if we have God's peace... Folks, there's things I'm facing right now in the natural challenges, okay? Just like you. But you know what? I have absolute 100% total peace right now. I know God's going to work everything out. I know God. I know whom I believed. And I'm persuaded that what I've committed to Him, He's able to help me and bring it to pass. But there was a time. Trust me. Ask my wife. (laughs) When trouble would come and I'd be wringing my hands and all fretting you know, talking about the problem, talking about this. It didn't do any good except cause unrest to be in my family, all because I opened my mouth and said things I shouldn't have said. Instead of just trusting God. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I know God's leading me to say this this morning. God wants us to have peace 24-7. He doesn't want you. You can get so, you can get so used. Think about it. You can get so used to walking in a certain way that's not God's best for you. You think that's the norm. That's not the norm. You can have peace right now. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Him because He trusts in Him. Amen? I say it. I get up in the morning. I get in the shower, whatever. You know, first thing, I try to do the first thing in the morning. I'll say out loud, Father, I'm trusting you today. I trust you today, Lord. I trust you. I might be half awake, but I'll say, Lord, I trust you today. I'll be in the shower. I'll say, Lord, I trust you today. I trust you with everything. Praise God. And I I constantly say that all the time throughout the day. I meditate on it all the time. Lord, I trust you today. I praise you today. I thank you. And um, I found this, that the more conscious I am of God's presence, the less fear can attack me. It might try to come, but it just has to just like water off a duck's back. It just has to go off you because, boy, if you're trusting the Lord, you can. If I'm really trusting the Lord, then I'm going to have peace. <laughs> it's not, I'm trusting God. <laughs> Falling apart at the seams, you know what I mean? Pulling your hair out, you know, whatever the people say. That's not trusting God, that's fear. If you can trust God, you can relax. You can just, it's going to be all right. The Lord's going to work it out. All shall be well. Who's that lady in the, back in the Old Testament? She lost, her son died. And someone asked her, how's your son? She said, all was well. Amen. <laughs> He's dead. All was well. 
Well, it turned out all is well because the prophet raised him from the dead. Because Elijah came in and raised him up from the dead. There's something magical spiritually about that statement, all is well. Say it, all, all is, well. is well. That's only three words. But when you say that, you proact instead of react. You get up in the morning and say, all shall be well today in Jesus' name. You're going into your, you open up the door, you're about to go into your business or wherever you're at. All shall be well here in Jesus' name. What are you doing? You're releasing faith into the environment, into the atmosphere where it's going to change the things. I see it happen all the time. I release, when I go into any kind of place, a physical place, I always, I try to release the anointing everywhere I go. If I'm going into a grocery store, I release the anointing into this store right now. Well, what good is that, Brother Keith? Well, you're being more conscious of God's presence and God's anointing than you are the physical. Amen. So we've got to wrap this up here because we're almost out of time here. But notice it says uh, in verse 19, When evening was come, they went up from the city, and in the morning they passed by, saw the, tree, the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter said, calling remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Now here it is, for verily. Now Jesus said this. Kenneth Hagin didn't invent this scripture. This isn't Hagin 11.23 or Copeland 11.23. This is Jesus talking here. Are you with me now? Verily I say unto you that whosoever, are you a whosoever? Shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith and therefore I say unto you what things wherever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them praise God this is probably the biggest best scripture on the subject of faith that exists today it's always, it'll always be that way. Or Jesus. This fell from the, the master's lips himself about the subject of faith. In these verses, we'll have to pick up next time because we're out of time here. Uh, Jesus only mentions believing once, but he says the word say or saying is mentioned three times. Okay? Now, Peter, Peter was all... Beside himself because he saw they walked by that same tree. They remember what happened the day before. Jesus talked to a tree. Remember that, disciples? Remember Peter, John, James, and all that? He talked to a tree. But here's the thing. It looked like nothing happened. Because they would have, like, popped up. And instantly they just said, did you see how fast that thing just happened? They didn't see any results yet. But the very next day they came by, Peter said, Lord, the tree that you cursed is withered from the roots that's significant right there because when you speak the Word of God, the Word of God will go to working on the unseen first, that the roots are usually underground. Okay? And I'll tell you, that tree was so cursed that the roots just, just popped up out of the ground. That tree was dead. But when did it happen? Not when they saw it. It happened when He spoke the Word. He says, No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter again. Now there are some things that need to be cursed and there are some things that need to be blessed. Amen? Sickness and disease is a curse and it needs to be cursed. Growths need to be cursed because they're not of the Father. Praise God. I don't care if it's a hernia or some type of growth or some type of lump. The Father did not put that there to teach you a lesson that's not there for any other reason than the devil put it there, and it needs to go. Amen? Now, Jesus said this, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. That's nine words. Nine words. Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Bam. That's how faith works. You say what you want to happen. To come to pass. You know, when Jesus went over and said, No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter, you know, he didn't start checking it. Start, you know, 
looking under the leaves, looking on the back of the tree to see if it was working. He walked away. He, he literally walked away. No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter again. And he walks away. You see, when you release words in faith, you don't have to go start checking. Okay? And that's the, that's the, that's the problem a lot of times people have is they start, they pray, they release their faith, and then they're checking their body again. Okay? Now, folks, if you're going to be healed, you're going to know it, believe me. Okay? But you don't want to get back in the sense realm, in the flesh realm, in the natural realm. We're always checking the natural, always checking the natural. People say this sometimes to me. They say, Pastor, can you believe me for a good doctor's report? Well, we're not to have faith in the doctor's report anyway. We're to have faith in God's report. The Word of God is our report. That's what it says, who hath believed our report. Okay? So, because the doctor's report might be contrary to your physical body. That's not the final say-so. Are you with me? (laughs) The Word of God is the final say-so. That's what we're talking about today is the Word of God having final authority in our lives. Okay? Some of you here, and I know this by revelation, not because I'm anything special. I just know it in my spirit as I'm talking to you. You've wondered why some things have taken so long and you're still waiting on certain things to take place in your life. And you've more, more than, more often than not, you put things in God. Well, the Lord knows is His timing, whenever He wants it. Don't start talking like that. Okay? Because then you're taking things out of God's hands. You're taking them, putting them back in your hands and you don't have the power to do that. When you pray and you say and you release your faith, walk away from it and just begin to give God praise and give God glory for what He's already done. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't struggle. He, they came back the next day. He said, Lord. And now, that's why, that's why Jesus took the opportunity here to teach not only His disciples, but for you and I today, 2,000 years later. <clears throat> Jesus said, look, He didn't say, this is deity, don't try this at home. This is only reserved for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now that's why He's the word whosoever. That's you and I. Whosoever. I love the definition of what's a whosoever. Everybody won't. Anybody can. Somebody will. Everybody won't. Anybody can. But somebody will. That's a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. I can can speak. I have faith in my words. That what I say comes to pass. We all need to have that kind of confidence that what we say. Jesus didn't speak a paragraph to that tree. He said nine words to that tree. Amen. Praise God. And we don't have to be wordy and mouthy and speak long sentences. We can just be pointed. Praise the Lord. And release our faith. And watch God do some things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. We thank you today, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, help us to be more direct and more prepared, not flippantly, but more direct to say what needs to be said when it comes to receiving answers from you, Father God, especially in the area of releasing our faith to do to remove those mountains in our lives, Father. Lord, teach us. Teach us and show us how to talk, how to speak, and when to shut our mouths, when to open our mouths, what to say, what not to say, Father. Praise you, Father God. Ma presia della broto malakitesa. Thank you, Father. 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 There's someone here that has been having some kind of a neck issue with, uh, I don't know if it's muscular or what the deal is with your neck. But just as you've heard the word this morning, God's healing that right now. I believe it's the upper part of your uh, back, lower part of your neck, that area. The Lord's healing it right now. Thank you, Lord. I see that. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's touching that. He's healing that right now. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just receive that. Is that your pat? God. Thank you, Father. We release your healing power. Just as you said right now. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Released. Sister Pat, right now. Right now, Lord. Lining up, lining up those bones and discs. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Say this after me. Say, my faith works. My faith works. It always works. It always works. I have faith, I have faith that what I say, what I say will, come will come to pass. I rest in that. I rest Amen. 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 Have faith in your words. Amen. Have faith in what you say Amen. will come to pass. You can release that over your... You know, if you have a business... You can release those words over your business. And I mean to tell you, it'll start to prosper and grow. New clients will come in. I'm telling you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. My business is growing. You could say that. Say, my business is growing by leaps and bounds. God's bringing the right customers across my path. Supernaturally. Amen. And he, can, he, will, he will do that. He wants to do that. Amen. So I hear the Lord saying, thank you, Lord. I hear the Lord saying this. I'm looking, saith the Lord, for an invitation. I'm looking for you to say, Lord, I want you to get involved in my business. Lord, I want you to get involved in my family. Lord, I want you to get involved in the affairs of my life. But know this, know this, saith the Lord. When you choose my word, you are choosing me. When you select what my word already says, you are actually selecting me. And you are partnering with me. So be bold to take what I've already said in my word and decree it and declare it over your life and over those areas that you want to see change in. For you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, and a light shall shine upon your past, and it will come to pass in your life. So as you partner with my word, you are partnering with me. Put my word in your mouth and release it. It will have the same effect and the same results as if I spoke it. So put my word. Be careful to put my word in your lips, in your mouth, and release it. And you will see the desired result. You will see the thing come to pass. And you'll laugh and laugh and laugh because you'll know this stuff really works. Yea, it has been established from the foundation of the world. I established it long before you were born. And that's why I've given you a mouth, not just for conversation place, but I've given you a mouth to speak my word and to cause things to come to pass in your life. Speak my word regarding your body. Speak my word regarding your family. Speak my word regarding your finances. Speak my word regarding your future. And watch and see what I will do. For my angels, yea, they've been sent to hearken to the voice of my word. And as you give voice to my word, those angels will come, take your words, and bring them to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You remember uh, Daniel was praying about the interpretation of a dream that he had. And the angel Gabriel shows up and he, made, he, he says this. He says, Gabriel, uh, uh, Daniel, he says, I have come for thy words. That's exactly what he said in Daniel. He says, I've come for thy words. Okay, so that's what they hearken unto. The, voice, the Bible says they hearken to the voice of the Word of God. So we, we're, we're the ones that give voice to the Word of God. When I, when I say things, I, every single day, every day, 
I say script, certain scriptures over. I've got them done. They're locked in my heart. They're in my memory. They're etched in my spirit forever. Amen. And I'll say things like, by his stripes, I was healed since 2,000 years ago in 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53.4 and 5. Matthew 8.17, himself took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses. In 1 Peter 2.24, and by his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. Um, when, I, when I release those words and I say those words, the angels will bring that to pass in my life. You know, God's best is not that you get sick and then you get healed. That's not God's best. God's best is 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper. And number two, be in health. Amen. Stay in health. God's best is not getting healed when you're sick. God's best is staying in health. Amen. Where you don't need healing. You're just walking healthy all the time. That's a state of being. I'm, I be in health. I be in health. Praise the Lord. So just begin to thank God for those things every day. And then you'll begin to, it'll just happen, okay? Your tongue will control everything, amen?